Well, good morning again. Hi. I feel like I need to reintroduce myself. It's been a while since I've been up here. I'm Pastor Jake. Nice to see you guys again. Thank you. Thanks, David. Good to see you, David. I get to hop in here at the very end of our fall preaching series. And this has been an awesome series. And I've been thinking, it's like, you know, it's like they're calling in the closer, right? That's what it is. Things are set up. They're ready. We've learned from the Red Sox mistake this past year. Calling in the closer. Or perhaps I'm more like Chris Love was yesterday at the fall work day. Like a blister, always showing up when all the work is done. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I think he was actually the first one here. Um, I joke, I joke. He's very helpful. <laughs> Stand up for your dad, yeah. No, we have one more to go. We have one more to go, and we have a very important text to dig into together this morning. And our text this morning is going to challenge us with this big idea. Are we actually willing to let Jesus heal us? Do I really want to be healed? Do I really want to be changed? Because sometimes I think if we're being honest, we don't really want to be changed. And I want to share a story with you that I think illustrates this well. It's the story of Rosaria. Now back in 1998, Rosaria was a tenured track professor of English and Women's Studies at the University of Syracuse. She had a whole career path laid out for her, and she had just made headlines by writing an article that had been published about the dangers of Christianity. And she was receiving a lot of fan mail and a lot of hate mail. And then she received a letter that didn't fit into either category. It confused her. It was a letter from Pastor Ken down the street who asked good questions. And it didn't fit into her paradigm of what a Christian pastor would do in response to that article. But she had more research, she had more articles to write, so she thought, well, at the very least, he'll make for additional research. So she went out to, to dinner with him and his wife, and they became fast friends. There was something different about him. And, she, and he encouraged her to read about the Bible. Read the Bible. Read about this Jesus that you are writing articles about. So she began voraciously digging into Scripture. And the more and more that she did her research, it became less and less research. Because she was encountering a God who she felt like she knew, but was not living up to the standards of the straw man she had built up. She even began to go to church, and her friends and her partner began to say, you're, you're changing. I don't like it. And then one Sunday morning, she found herself enthralled with Jesus. She was listening to this sermon 
on John 7, 17, and she realized that as an academic and a researcher, that she always saw understanding before applying the principle, or in her words, before obeying. In the passage, John 7, 17 said, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or not. She said, I didn't want any of this. In fact, I fought against it with all I had. I did not want my world changed. I did not want it reshaped. And then one ordinary Sunday, I came to Jesus, open-handed and naked. Jesus triumphed, and I was a broken mess. Conversion, she said, and I love this phrase, was a train wreck. She did not want to lose everything she had, her partner, her research, and in many ways, her job. But she said the voice of God sang through like a love song in the rubble of my world. She was willing to let Jesus start to change and heal every part of her, even the parts that she didn't want changed yet. Now, sometimes coming to Jesus is really messy. It means we have to admit our brokenness. And it means that we have to be willing to be healed. And her life is a great example. I share this illustration of someone who, the more she began to meet and get to know Jesus, the more clear it became that elements of her life, maybe all of her life, needed this healer and perhaps was going to have to change. And because of that, the question, do I actually really want to change, you can see how it's kind of a scary question, actually. We might sing really easily, Jesus, change me. We get down to the grassroots of it. That's a dangerous prayer. The question this morning that we're going to see in our text is, are you willing to let Jesus change you? And I pose it as a question because in the story of Mark 6, it seems like the vast majority of people said no. Let's reread the text for the third time. Mark 6, 1 through 6. You can find it in the Black Pew Bibles on page 816 or I'll have it up here on the screen. Mark 6, verses 1 through 6. the word of the Lord. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? I mean, aren't these his sisters right here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, when Tim first asked me to preach this morning, like I said, I was excited. It's been a while. A lot has happened. We've had a baby. I was away for a study leave. There's lots of things going on in the life of the church. I don't even think I've been here for about four weeks. 
I was away for the army for quite a bit, and I was looking forward to getting back in the saddle. Getting back up here, I was looking forward to getting back up here and sharing God's word with you. But then I saw this passage, and I saw verse 5, and I thought to myself, that's, that's a tough one. When the God of the universe is described as saying he could not do, that should catch our attention a little bit. What? And then I thought, okay, so it's the third week in the series. Tim will definitely cover this first. <laughs> I'll just be able to piggyback on that. And then when we sat down to, to, to you know, talk about the three weeks, it was like, okay, well, verse one through three, you know, you got to do that the first week, and then three and four, sort of the second week. And all of a sudden I realized, wait, you're leaving me with this, aren't you? Thanks, partner. <laughs> Honestly, though, thank you. This passage is amazing. There is nothing funny, strange, weird, or confusing happening here. I want to be 100% clear. And it's a delight to teach a verse that can be a stumbling block or a point of confusion for others. It's in fact a call for us today into deeper discipleship. Because the implication that you could get behind this is this idea. Is Jesus not able? Was he unable to heal because he lacked the power to do so? And I think this question completely misses the context of the story. Let's reread verse 5 again. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, I'm pretty sure in the Gospels there are entire sections that are devoted to a singular healing of one person by laying, Jesus laying his hands on He did multiple people here. Is Jesus able to heal? The text says yes. In fact, earlier on, it says they were amazed at the miracles he was performing there. He heals a few sick people simply by laying his hands on them. Something that no one ever in the history of the universe to that point was able to do. He did it. But the way the text is worded intentionally minimizes the nature of that. It's subordinate to it. He could not do any miracles there. It implies that there could have and should have been a whole heck of a lot more. But let's not be mistaken. Jesus is able to heal. Let's look at the, the broader context too, just to be clear. And looking back where we've been in this series... Is Jesus able to heal? Well, the context says yes as well. Remember Peter's mother, he cast out a legion of demons, a demon-possessed man, a paralytic man, forces of nature, a dead girl just before this. All he had to do was say, little girl, get up. And she was raised from the dead. Are we to believe that this text, that verse 5, is somehow implying that Jesus is not able in some way? I don't think so. Jesus is able. Is Jesus able to heal? How about in the most important way? 
as we've seen in the sermon series. Jesus isn't able to just do the cool parlor trick miracle. In chapter 2, he said, your sins are forgiven. He is able to heal the deepest brokenness in the universe, the chasm between broken man and perfect God. Is Jesus capable of healing? Unequivocally, unconditionally, you can bet your life on it. So what's going on here? He could not do any miracles there. What? And I think actually it's really quite simple. And to get it, I think we actually need to read a different healing story. One of my favorites. I think you might be familiar with it. I'm not going to make you turn to it. I'm going to have it up here on the screen. And I'm just going to use it as an example. And listen as I read the story on the screen. I want you to pay attention to the wording that Jesus uses as he heals old Bart here. Matthew 10. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus' disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now listen in. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now let's not be confused. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. But Bartimaeus did not heal himself. Jesus healed him. But Bart did do something. He had to ask. And honestly, as you look across the Gospels, over and over again, we see a constant refrain that Jesus only heals those who expressly desire and ask to be healed. Jesus asks him, what do you want? And that word want is key. It's this Greek word, thalo, and it means desire or will. It's what you want. It's what you, you, you'd have be done to you. What you're willing to have happen. He says, what do you desire? And Bart simply says, my sight is broken. I don't want it to be broken anymore. I want to see. And Jesus, I know you can do it. Now, what does this have to do with our text? I think everything. Remember our context. Jesus is teaching in his hometown, Nazareth. And we haven't read this yet, so I'm going to share with you a little bit of a a nuance to um, a text that we've looked at for three weeks in a row here. But this account of, in Mark is actually detailed in Luke and in Matthew. And there's a little bit more that we can see as we look to those other Gospels, their accounts. And in Luke's Gospel, this is what Luke details. He says, He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, just like it says in Mark, and as was his custom, he stood up to read. But Luke tells us what he read. 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The people were amazed at his teaching. And they heard him proclaim that he had come to change everything, to bring the good news that God was going to heal he was going to recreate and to remake. He literally reread the prophecy about what was going to happen. He was going to change everything. This is what he taught. But then the crowd in Nazareth remembered, don't we know this guy? Isn't he Mary's son? Isn't he the carpenter? Aren't his siblings like right there? And as Tim shared last week, they were offended. And bear with me for a second. If Jesus was to hypothetically at the end of closing up that scroll have said, sort of like an altar call, say, who wants to be healed? Well, it's clear from the text the people were unwilling. No one was asking, son of David, have mercy on me. And this is so important because when the text says Jesus was unable to do any miracles there, it's not that somehow he didn't have enough power in him that day. No, it's much simpler than that. There was nobody stepping forward and asking, Jesus, please, I need you. They were standing there with arms folded saying, I don't want what you're offering. But don't be mistaken for a second, and this has got to be our starting place. Jesus is able to heal. The question is, do you want to be healed? There is a lot that is said between the lines, and he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Clearly, there could have been more. So the question is, why not? Why did the people not want to be healed. And this is like an amazing hardness of heart, if you can imagine this. This town of Nazareth had 500 people in it max. It was a tiny little town. I grew up in a town of like 5,000 people, and you knew everybody. I couldn't even see my neighbor, and we knew everybody. 500 people max in this little town. So if somebody was healed from a sickness, do you think everybody knew? Absolutely. The word was getting around. Jesus was here and he was changing people's lives. He was healing people. So there's an amazing hardness of heart in the implication that people did not come forward, that more miracles were not done in that place. What would make the people unwilling to step forward 
from their own brokenness. And as we discussed last week, I think the people were unwilling at first. You know, they were amazed. They were maybe even excited. This is pretty neat. Look at this Jesus guy. We know him. You know, local boy becomes famous. And they were offended because they thought they knew who Jesus was. And the fact that he spoke with such authority rubbed them the wrong way. And they were offended in some way by his claim to authority. But I think that's only one angle to look at this. Because it's one thing as a member of the crowd to hear Jesus say something like a, a challenging lesson of when the enemy strikes you, turn and give them the other cheek. And to hear, that's a hard lesson. Who are you to tell me to do that? And it's a totally different thing to have somebody healed in front of you to know you're broken and not ask for it. Remember what Luke's gospel adds. Jesus is saying, I've come to heal and there are people who knew they were sick, who knew they were broken, who knew they were in need and they refused to come forward. And so there's also a question here of whether or not the people actually wanted to be healed. If they actually wanted to be changed. I think in the gospels, there are sort of two categories of miraculous hearings. And I'll use two characters to kind of describe them. First, there's the Bart type. Person with a physical illness. They're broken in some way. They ask Jesus to heal them, and he heals them. And then there's the Zacchaeus type. People who were spiritually or socially broken in some way, and they ask Jesus, how can I be healed? And he healed them in some way. And both types, inevitably, in one way or another, you saw what happened to them. They became disciples of Jesus in one way or another, whether or not that was they followed him for the rest of his ministry, or they went to their hometown and told everybody they knew they were a big old Jesus freak. Now, we don't know in Nazareth if there were Bart types or Zacchaeus types standing with their arms folded. But either way, there's a very real question of whether or not the people actually want their lives to be healed and changed. Do we really desire to be healed? I'm going to give you an extreme illustration here because I think we think this is really simple. You know, if you were a blind man and you knew a doctor who was offering free surgeries to have you be perfectly healed of your sight. All you had to do was come forward and say, please, and it would be done, minimal procedure, back home that afternoon. I mean, wouldn't you do it? Of course you would, right? But before you go thinking it's that simple, if healing is offered, people will take it. Let me ask you it in a different way. Maybe one that will hit home hard here in Gloucester. Imagine a young man had an injury from playing football in high school and the doctors helped prescribe him opioids. He has chronic pain and the only thing that seems to help are the painkillers. Now five years goes by and he finds himself breaking into his mother's medicine cabinet to steal prescription pills or worse. Or maybe worse, he's utterly addicted to fentanyl or heroin. Addiction is terrible, utterly terrible. 
It's a disease that is physical, mental, social, even spiritual. And now for the addict, if there was an offer of free rehab, would it be a no-brainer? Honestly, it's not that simple. And that's my point. It's not that simple. Oftentimes for an addict, even if they utterly wanted to, they would need others around them to physically carry them there. They may not be able to without the help of so many people around them. And I use this illustration simply to say, the offer of healing, it sometimes is not that simple. If healing is offered, sometimes people intentionally or because of disease or cycles of abuse may not be able to take that offer or they might not yet be willing to be in that place to. Let's bring this down maybe on a level that all of us can relate to. Imagine you have a friend that has betrayed your confidence and your trust in some way. You're enraged at them. How could they do this to me? There's this burning sensation every time you think about them that is somewhere between painful and self-righteous satisfaction. It's somewhere between those two things every time you think about them. And you know that the Bible says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And yep, that probably means because they haven't done anything to earn it and to do it fully gracefully. I know it says that. But you just don't want to yet. And I am overly simplifying it. A friend recently went through something like this and said to me, Jake, do you know any books on forgiveness? Besides the Bible. I thought about it, and honestly I did. I did, I thought about it for a second. And I couldn't help but say it, and I really was not trying to be insensitive at all. I said, I know you're not going to like it, but honestly, I know it's not what you're looking for, but the right book is the Bible. It's the right place to go. And there's this guy in there, his name is Jesus, and I know you know him. And I don't think you really need to look too many other places. Now, I'm not saying it's that simple. Please do not hear me say that. But sometimes healing just kind of won't start until we begin to ask Jesus. And if we don't actually want it yet, because we don't want that change to happen yet, well, I can almost guarantee it won't happen. Sometimes we are angry, and we might even know it's broken to hold on to the hurt. We might even know that healing is offered and that there may even be relief with forgiveness. And, but we're unwilling to ask for it because, to be honest, we might even like our hurt. And this is going to sound super backwards, but I know this in my own heart. And it certainly doesn't describe every brokenness in our lives. But sometimes we like our hurt because it gives us power. Especially when we're hurt by someone else. They've had the hammer and they have wielded it against us. And like a blacksmith, we're taking that hurt, we are reshaping it and reforming it back into a hammer to get back at them. I mean, look at the way, in some ways, our world has weaponized and monetized hurt. 
It can feel like a competition sometimes to say, I've been through more. And there's almost like power in that. And now I'm not saying hurtful acts shouldn't be responded to. Jesus was angry with the money lenders in the temple, but there is nothing more countercultural in our weaponized hurt world than to forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I guess what I'm asking is this. Do you actually want to be healed? Because if Jesus is capable, the question really is, have you asked? It should stop us in our tracks when a Bible verse says that something amazed the God of the universe. Verse 6, he was amazed at their lack of faith. And I don't think Jesus was amazed and that he was surprised. Like he didn't know that was going to happen. What was he amazed at? The lack of faith to just actionably say, I need help. I know you can heal me too. And I'm willing. And that's our question this morning. Are you willing Specifically in our text, the question is, are you willing to let Jesus heal you? But what happens when we're healed? We are changed. Our circumstances are changed, perhaps. Or sometimes healing means you have to let go of something. You have to be led away from something you might even still like. And that's how sick and twisted our brokenness is. It convinces us that we still need that drug. Or we need the love and affection from somebody who is outside of our marriage. Or you need that anger because that keeps others in your debt. And the question is, Jesus is standing with his hand outstretched and are you willing to let Jesus heal and maybe actually change you? And we've titled this series, Come to Jesus Again and Again. And if you're here this morning, you likely have come to Jesus and said, please rescue me. And you've experienced freedom, forgiveness, and love like maybe never before. Like definitely never before. But perhaps if you're like me, it really didn't take long after meeting Jesus before I began to see things in my life that were broken. And that very real question of do I actually want to let go of that? Do I actually want that changed? It was actually a really hard question. Do I actually want it healed? And perhaps even you like me, maybe you even had the wherewithal to know Jesus can probably handle that. But do I really want to have that changed? Anger, addiction, fill in the blank. What was it for you? What maybe is it for you? Because Jesus is able to heal. He's able to give you what you need most. Reconciliation with God. He's capable of miraculous healing. 
and he invites you to experience real change in your life. Sometimes by small acts of obedience, sometimes by a miracle. And all that is required is a posture of saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to be healed. Now please do not hear me saying, you just maybe need to want it a little more, everybody. Or maybe you just need to say please next time you pray. Some of us in this room have been pleading with God for healing in some areas for decades. And I don't want you to hear me say, just, just, just ask a little nicer next time. Sometimes his healing is found in his presence alongside. Maybe sometimes in the truth of his complete restoration that awaits us one day. But I want to be utterly clear as we finish the series this morning. I think the simple action step today is singular, I hope focused, and I hope it's not complicated. I hope it's a good way to end the series. And this is what we're after. I want you to consider this morning as just one of those opportunities. Maybe to examine again. Are there places where you have been unwilling to go there with Jesus? Whether that is forgiveness. Maybe forgiveness from anger. Whether that is life change from crippling sin or hiding from others. Or whether that's pain. And I just want to invite you to remember that Jesus is able to heal. Don't let never asking be an option. When you come to Jesus, is there something that you toss in the bushes before you come in? Or maybe you're hiding out in the bushes, the real you. And I just want to invite us this morning to just take the next two minutes and use this as just one of those opportunities. And I'm going to give you the prayer to come to Jesus again and again. It's not complicated. Please add to it. May this be a starting place this morning to come to Jesus with all of you. And perhaps of this place, it could be said, Jesus was able to do amazing miracles in the lives of the people that came there. And the question is, are we willing to let Jesus change you? Let's just take two minutes to go before the Lord. Lord Jesus, who else would we turn to? There's no strength that we can muster up enough to earn your love or to be set right, or to heal ourselves. We need you.
and we know you are able. Unfold our arms, God. Help us. Just, just help us. We're in need of you. Your grace is enough. And we want you to have all of our lives, even when we don't. We know we do. Take us. Reshape us. May this city be marked. May this church be marked as a place where God is doing something. He is able to do miracles there because the people are asking. And when we're not asking, Lord, we ask you to do a miracle anyways. You are so good and so loving that that sounds about right, God. We love you, Jesus. May our worship, may our words of praise, our song, our voices, may all of it declare that you are able, you are capable, you are sovereign, and may our hearts and our lives be drawn closer to you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.